0: Welcome back to the Crossroad Offroad Podcast, brought to you by Prime Shape Fitness. Welcome back to the Crossroad Offroad Podcast. A uh, couple quick updates on things that did not go well that should have went better. <laughs> First off, uh, I didn't know it, but I've been driving my Jeep illegally since February. Uh, apparently my tabs were up. That's a long story, and here it goes. <laughs> So I uh, we moved a couple years ago and have since bought tabs for all three of my vehicles and now four vehicles since I moved here and got tabs, no problem. Uh but this year for some reason, uh, 2021, I didn't never got a notice. Usually I get the notice, first thing I do is I go and get on the computer, order my tabs up. Jeep tabs are usually fifty bucks, fifty-five bucks, something like that, or pretty cheap, with older vehicle. No problem. No harm, no foul, you know, willing to pay it, happy to get them in the mail. That way you don't have to go sit at the dmv for hours on end uh so i never got a notice um so my sister was up and we her daughter was in town for uh they were on the way they had like 11 hour layover weird thing but i said well come over to our house and we'll have some fun and then we'll take you to the airport the next morning so my sister came with her husband her daughter was here with her her husband and then my brother came and her sister came and niece was there so all all having fun hanging outside. My sister's like, your tabs are due. They've been due since February. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And um, this is, I'm already neck deep into having a few cocktails. And so I went to the house all mad, got on my computer, ordered tabs up, and it said 75 bucks. I thought that was weird, but then I realized, okay, I need new plates. Um, ordered them. So there, that's done. Printed the receipt out through the receipt in the glove box. for If I get pull over, hey, I paid for it. Let's just wait for it to show up. So then fast forward like three weeks, still not at the house. So I go online and look, and it says it was shipped to my old address. So somehow, I I didn't put the old address in, it just said ship to the address. I said, yeah, on file. I said, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Because I've ordered tabs here before, no problem, for that very vehicle, for my other vehicles. Um, no problem. So I call the next day, and... And they're like, yeah, it was shipped to your old place and I can change all of this stuff right now. So I said, yeah, go ahead and do it. And you, do you own all these other vehicles? I said, yep, own, no, own, own. All, all that stuff was going to my old address for some reason. So the old plates, my new plates, I should say, went to the old address. So I don't know if there was a reset button they clicked or something because it just reverted back to our old stuff. And like I said, we've gotten notices before for other vehicles. So it's really weird. So then um, she goes, well, you can go to... This is the first part of July. She goes, well, you can actually go tomorrow to Richfield, which was where we used to live, actually. And you can go there tomorrow to the DMV and just pick up your new plates. No problem. I can do that. They open at 8 a.m., so I move some of my schedule around, uh, push stuff around a little bit. So I'm there at 7.20. I'm going to be the first person in line. I'm going to be out of there right away. So I sit in a lot. I sit in a truck for 10 minutes, just hanging out, and, you know, and then I'm like, well, I'm going to go s- sit by the front door. That way I know I'm the first person in. I walk to the front door, and there's a sign closed until July 6th, where we're going to reopen for everybody. I'm like, what do you need to do to reopen for everybody? All you do is open the door and get going. I, had to, I don't understand their process. They have closed down all the DMVs for a week and a half to get ready to open the doors for everybody. <laughs> so, blew my mind. As I'm there, some guy pulls up. He goes, is that six closed? And he was obviously there for some. Uh, new plates himself I said, Yep, it does. So then I drive all the way back home and uh, I drive all the way back home. Get on the phone right away at 8 a.m. when they open up. Somehow I, you know, I'm the third person in line on the phone, even. And you know, I'll get a person on the phone and I said, Here's the deal. Here's what I got. It's okay. We'll ship it out to you. And now it's going to take three weeks to get there. I'm like, Three weeks. And there goes half the summer basically, <laughs> waiting for you know, your tabs and plates and all that jazz, Uh, but anyhow they did get here in just over 2 weeks, I think right before the 2 week market actually got here, so happy I got it. But Eureka, I got my new plates on there, moved my Minnesota off road tab over also from the other plate, Uh, got them on there so I have a nice new brand new shiny straight plates Um, until I take it off road and I bend up that front one again that I always do. But um, that was my long story on my tabs and tags and stuff. But then in the meantime, my truck was due, so I got online, ordered those up. So I got those a month early. They came the same day as my plates and tabs for the, the Jeep. So now I am all up to date. So what I've done in the meantime is not, I'm not going to rely on what comes in the mail. I put a note in my phone or my calendar for each one of my four vehicles, because now i got the kid's car. Each one of the four vehicles that, when a month before they're actually due, that I get a notice on my phone at Get Tabs, so I just go there, sit down at my computer, pay the money, and go. Uh, that way, I'm never just waiting for the tabs. I never want to have that cross-thread moment again, where <laughs> you just you're sitting there without tabs. And I have been pulled over before for not having tabs. When I was driving my wife's vehicle, I told her for a month, "You need tabs. You need tabs," and she put it off and then I'm driving her vehicle and I get pulled over and get a ticket so I looked right at her when I pulled over and said I know what I'm getting pulled over for (laughs) so I don't think police are pulling people over right now because of the whole situation and things are just behind anyhow but that one just took it off my mind I didn't want to have to get in trouble for that so that was less than happy moment that I had but victory now I got my through all the runaround, got my new plates on. Happy. I have no clue what my plates are right now. I used to know it by heart. Now I have no clue. So I go look at that again. But in the end of the day, though, I got my dude tip plates on. Yay. Um, so that was a f- funny one. And then a couple other things that I was pretty excited about was um, I had to get. Um, every time I go off road or when, when we work on a Jeep recently, um, people tell me, hey, your axle is leaking. And. Um, so I knew that uh, my axle had, had been leaking for a while. And uh, it's a passenger rear. It was kind of driving me nuts. And I knew it was leaking when I worked on the brakes. Wade even set it. When I put my uh, power not power stop, Black Magic brakes, I put in. We put, Wade put in. I watched. He did the work. Can't take all the credit for it, which more on that in a bit. <laughs> um, and so I knew I needed the part. So I kind of checked around. and. You know, you have the you. You want to have the friend in your group that has the tools to do the job well. None of us, as I watch, like on YouTube, I'm prideful in knowing that hey, if you go to YouTube, you can kind of figure out everything. That's what I talk about in this podcast. You can figure out how to do a bunch of stuff if you just watch a few YouTube videos. But if you don't have the tool you need to do the job, and you're not going to be willing to buy it, uh, you need somebody else to help you out. So this was the the bearing heading replace that goes along with the seal and a couple other pieces. The parts were like thirty bucks, maybe twenty-five bucks. wasn't too bad. Uh, so I got the parts, and I cut. But in the meantime, I contacted everybody's best friend on on uh, the Twin Cities Jeep Club. I contacted Dustin, and I said, "Dustin, uh, what do you got for this? Can is this something you willing to do? Do you have a press?" He says, "Yep, I can do it." Uh, so Dustin, uh, he, um, he he said he'd do it. So I ordered the parts up, and he was like three three weeks booked out for his little his shop, he kind of helps his friends out, and he goes, yeah, I'm just too busy right now. And so I contacted him after the 4th, said, hey, what's your schedule like? He kind of gave me a day, so it's perfect. So um I said, I said on the phone to him, too, like, you know, or texting I go, well, my, we installed these brakes, my parking brake still is at work. Can you take a peek at that, if you got time? I didn't want to, like, pressure him to say, hey, do a full brake job and a thing. If it's, if it's going to take too long, don't worry about it, I'll just take it somewhere else. I really just need that axle seal done so I'm not getting, you know, um, told that I have a leaky axle every time somebody looks at my Jeep. So uh, this is this is actually funny because I dropped it off. My wife, you know, Mrs. Crossthread, she she followed me down there. I told her not to leave for 15 minutes after I left, but she left like right after I did because I knew I was going to have a conversation with Dustin and just talking to him. And and uh, she pulled up like right after I pulled in. I'm like, oh, I wanted to have that conversation that guys have together about their Jeeps. So I was like all right she pulled in so then we had a quick conversation and told him about the brakes thing and then texted him the next morning because that's done come pick it up you know and the following your brake issue was you had them uh, adjusted to the loosest setting instead of the tightest setting (laughs) so we had it set as loose as you could make it so i probably wasn't even using the brakes the whole time they had them in there it definitely stops better now i think you know from my you know just foot feel it stops tighter it is the rear brakes, not the front brakes, I know that, but it does feel like it stops and that parking brake works as it's supposed to. You, one or two clicks, it's on. Uh, so I'm very happy about that. I thought we had it worked out before. Uh, apparently we didn't. Uh, so it did have a little bit of noise as I was driving, a little bit, but I figured that was just the brake just barely touching like it does. And it would wear it itself, wore itself in and now I drive it, now I don't hear anything. So it's, it's up and running. So thanks again, Dustin, for getting that done. It was awesome uh That that that's kind of comes my next point when I'm gonna to talk to a bit later. But if you if something's on your mind, buy the parts. it <laughs> kind of fast forwards the process if you get something done. You just buy the parts and have them available to use. uh I kind of did that recently, a couple different projects, which I'm gonna get into in a second. Where I'm just like, you know, I'm just gonna buy the parts. That way, I have them when I have a chance to do it. I'm gonna do it. And um, instead of putting things off forever and ever. Uh, I kind of just jumped in and did it, so I'm glad I got that done. Uh, jeep is one step closer to being done. Just kidding, never gonna be done. But in the end, it's one step closer of being more effective and efficient for me. So I'm excited about that. Where now, if I'm on a trail instead of shutting the jeep off and leaving the gear, I can put the parking brake on and know it's not gonna go anywhere. So I'm very excited about that, that piece. Um, another little thing I found out recently: um, I did have to buy a new iPhone recently out of out of the blue. Uh, my wife's phone wasn't working, so I went in and told him what I wanted to do, and the guy goes, you, you should probably get a new phone today, too. I said, okay, I'll do that. Both these new iPhones, they have a new case. It's all magnetically built, so the new charger slaps on magnetically. It's pretty cool. So I was looking for a new wireless mount for my Jeep. I'm sorry, a charger for my Jeep and a mount, because I know this could be done. So I got a a new one. It's called a WAITIEE. Waitie, don't know how how to say it, but W-A-I-T-I-E-E, so if you have a new Apple phone, iPhone 12, and you have the case, that the MagSafe case, whatever it is, uh, this is a pretty cool thing. I set it all up, kind of hid the wire a little bit, but basically you take your phone, you just place it on the magnet, it'll hold it perfectly, and it'll charge it at the same time, which is pretty cool. So if you're in a Jeep a lot or if you're on a trip, you don't have to you know, screw around with the cord like holding on or plug it all in, you don't have to do that, you just slap it on there, boom, it goes. So I'm pretty excited about that one and it's the fast charger, their new fast charger system. So so far I'm a big fan of it. Um, you can do what you want but I'm a big fan of this process and, and this deal. I'm always excited about having something that makes things more convenient. Then it turns your phone into a touch screen. And I can do all stuff, have my map pulled up there so I can see that works really well, so I'm a big fan of that again w a i t i e is how it's spelt um check it out twenty five bucks no problem it was a cool deal came with all I needed to get it done um and I also got this little little uh little what do you call this a wallet a little wallet that slaps onto there too so it holds three cards and you know, I got a wallet too that slaps on the back of my phone. It makes it convenient if you want to go minimalistic, which I kind of did here recently. I kind of wanted to go that process so I didn't have to carry a wallet with me everywhere I go and all that good stuff. I just have it all slapped to my phone and or, or whatever. So there, I'm checking things off a list I wanted to share with you guys. The other thing is sometimes you do need to hire a pro. Like I hired Dustin. I said, hey, can you and I hired him. I, you know, paid him a few bucks to kind of help me out here. Uh, to put on some parts that I had uh, that I just needed some help with, and even gave him a little tip. <laughs> so I'm like, that's awesome. So but I have another part of the story. So in my house, I got this house. I have four bathrooms, and I have one bathroom. Is two that one one of the faucets would leak. If you just used the hot water, it would leak out of the cold and the hot. So finally, before I went on my trip, I shut them both down nice and tight because I just didn't. Because if you just left it on a tiny bit, it would just leak all over all day. So much so it would actually leak downstairs onto our pool table that's downstairs. Luckily, we had our cover on the pool table, so just a few gallons of water sitting in the pool table. My wife just took a towel and wiped it all up. But um, this was a while ago, so I had known this has been a problem since we moved in because I looked in the drawer or in the cabinet, and they had spare parts sitting there. So they've been dealing with this, the old owners, for a while and uh, so one day I told Beth I go let's just go buy the stuff that'll push us to go replace this because I had shut the water off to that faucet already and she new shower head in her bathroom because it dripped in the middle of the night also and then we just needed to update one little bathroom downstairs it was just old you know old looking deal and and stuff too so went and paid you know faucets aren't cheap because you're wondering it's almost like jeep parts 500 bucks I think it was for all the four faucets all together that we got and then to um, had a friend of a friend come over here and on his saturday and he came over and we talked a little bit why he did it uh... charged me five hundred bucks I slapped these in he was here for like five hours but in the end of the day i got all new the, the new faucets all in the bathrooms i'm excited about that it's oddly enough like you, you get excited about something like that but i got those faucets in i'm very excited about that i know it's not going to leak so that's my other my other tip is um if something's on your mind it just weighs you down uh, just go ahead and do it. Jump in and do it. Buy the stuff, hire the people. I'm always like, hey, you can watch a YouTube video and do it yourself. But even the guy who came out here, he's just like, man, this is a weird setup in here. <laughs> he, he was like, I've never seen anything like this. And a couple of things he had to do. He's just like, this is weird. But uh, yeah, they got it all done. So I'm pretty excited about that. But that's kind of the Mitch Fix It segment, which is Mitch didn't fix a few things. Other people did, to be honest with you. And then the old uh, cross thread action. Kind of when things go wrong, stupid tags. I think I will someday, in my old age, run for office as an independent. And my sole thing will be to fix the DMV. (laughs) Just That would be the only thing I would run on. Because I could uh, tell you stories about DMVs. Every time I go and sit in a DMV, all I can think about is, look at all the wasted time that's in there. All the unproductive hours that's in this room. Because all those people are just sitting there to pay the government to do the simplest things. The little tab in a car, take your picture or what have you. There's gotta be a, a simpler way to do this or a more effective, efficient way. It just drives me nuts. And there's always like eleven windows and there's four people working. I just I don't understand that either. So I was, and I saw this last summer with my son getting his driver's license. And uh it if you don't have a sixteen year old you won't understand this, but there would literally be like 150 people inside the DMV when you're there. And all it is is 16-year-old kids trying to get their license all at the same time. It's amazing to me that just huge cattle call that it is. So um, I would love to be able to be part of the process to fix that situation. <laughs> but yeah, that's my segment for today. I'm going to come back and we're going to have more here in a bit. But uh, enjoy this interlude music in between and the ad that you're going to hear in a few seconds update number one or two can't remember where we're at um, but remember i talked about my pickup truck that had air conditioner went out and i got it all fixed well guess what it wasn't fixed a couple of days you know, a week later or so the sort blowing out hotter air not not as cold air so i took it in and wouldn't you know it the condenser went out and which is really a bummer so what i like about the place where i took it there they always they warm me up a little bit to how much it's going to cost they're like wow well, it's expensive, it costs thousands. I'm like, oh great, thousands with an S is never fun. Um I'm like, well, it's my daily and I have exactly two and a half payments left to go before it's fully mine. Don't you love that? Uh on a vehicle where there's just a couple payments left to go, and all of a sudden something goes out. So I'm like, well, let's, get it, let's go get it checked out. So we go up to the counter, it ends up being around eleven hundred bucks plus an oil change, so around twelve fifty altogether, whatever it was and uh, had them do the oil change and rotate the tires um, while I was at this place and like just get it done but they got it done in a little over a day and had my got my truck back so there's the Ken Mitch fix it segment kind of addendum to what's going on but next up have more fun conversation not about spending stuff that on uh, your daily driver which is never fun I rather spend stuff on my wheeler spend money in the wheeler but I had a chance to catch up with a guy who's been on my podcast before I ran into him randomly an off-road event and his name is billy and he has a really interesting story about his trip out to moab so here's billy and his story about him and his buddies heading out to moab hey i'm back here with uh billy billy's been on here before say hi billy hey how you doing everyone <laughs> billy's actually he found me on a trail we're at uh chuck's winter was a winter off-road a couple years ago
1: yep yeah a couple years ago winter and
0: yeah, I went to run and now Chuck's is no longer a thing anymore, apparently. But um so Chuck's went out road, Billy came running up. He says, Hey Mitch, and I said, Yeah, we got him on, recorded him real quick, uh, got to meet somebody who listens to the podcast as he listens at work and which is cool. And we got to know Billy and through Facebook he he did a big trip and I wanna want to talk to him about his trip. We're gonna live vicariously through Billy <laughs> a little bit because <laughs> uh he did a big trip and we're gonna talk about his trip. His trip was out to Moab, Utah, and uh but first Billy Tell us a bit about your Jeep, a little bit what you got going on with your Jeep, kind of a little bit of the overall details, a 20 second breakdown of what your Jeep is.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I have a 2003 uh, Jeep TJ, uh, not a Rubicon, uh, but I do have a Dana 44 in the rear. Uh, It's got 373 gears on 33 inch tires, uh, three and a half inch lift, uh, slip yoke eliminator uh, with the CV drive shaft. Rock sliders, got a worn winch up front. Um, and I actually, before this trip, got a sweet deal on a Spartan lunchbox locker that I installed up front, uh, just so I'd have a little extra traction. And, but other than that, it's uh, not too heavily built yet. Um, yeah, and it's uh, kind of a unique color, too. Uh, they only made it about a couple thousand of these in the Inca gold color, so I really and like they, that,
0: when too. When you introduced the uh, Rubicon, the first ever Rubicon Jeep was the same color, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it is. And the the really rare ones are the ones that are Rubicons. Those I actually saw one in Moab, uh, oh. surprisingly enough. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a Inca Gold in a Rubicon before, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're rare, and that, that that's the first ones I believe that came out. if I'm thinking right. And there is a guy in Minnesota with the same color as yours. He has a personalized license plate that says Rubicon. Yeah, I, I saw it online somewhere. I'm like, that's pretty cool. It'll be the first guy to to claim that and have that. Yeah, and, uh, oh, definitely. Yeah, you know, so I thought that was pretty slick. Uh, but so, you, know, you you tell us about who you went with, kind of like the well, how big the group was, I guess. And because uh, when I was kind of talking to Billy here a little bit beforehand, I said, okay, we're gonna, I'm, I'm not going to ask you too much. I'm not going to talk too much because every time I do that the gold, the stuff that doesn't make the podcast kills me. Cause if you guys would, I should record everything I do when I talk to people because there's always gold. And then when you go through it, it's like, it's not organic. So I kind of do a different approach. I was telling Billy about that. I said, I got three bullet points. I want to talk about the, the Jeep a little bit, but the trip out, the Moab and the trip back. Cause he has a story for every one of them. He said, he agreed. He had a story for mm-hmm. each part of that.
1: Yep. Oh yeah. It was what was the adventure. strategy
0: to get out there? Cause you didn't drive it out there. You hauled it, right?
1: Yep. So it was kind of a everybody for themselves for figuring out how to get it out there. Uh, we had a group, um, there was five Jeeps total, um, five guys, uh, one, uh, one, two guys with TJs, me and another guy named Terry. Uh, one guy named Don who had, has an XJ, a guy named Nick who has a JK and a guy named Alex who has an LJ. So pretty cool. We had a pretty, Good mix of different Jeeps. Uh, I towed mine out there. I have a three-quarter ton uh, you know, Ford F-250 diesel. Um, and Nick actually has a single uh, car trailer that he let me use for the trip. Uh, and then Nick, uh, with his one-ton Chevy diesel truck, rented a gooseneck trailer because he has uh, a gooseneck hitch. And he towed his JK uh, that's on 37s and Alex's LJ that's on 35s. Um, out to Moab and then Terry towed out his TJ with uh, an expedition and Don has a pretty cool built uh, Jeep XJ and he was dead set on driving it there, wheeling it and driving it back. And we'll get into the, we'll get into some of the uh, some of the issues that uh, you know, came along the way for Don, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was an adventure. I mean, Nick had, um, you know, it was his first time ever towing a gooseneck trailer um, luckily, he had done some work to the truck that he was pulling it with beforehand it had bigger injectors and um, some overload springs in the rear, so it handled it pretty well actually um, but yeah, it was uh, getting out there was it was it was an adventure. We uh did it in two days. so the first day we drove to North Platte, Nebraska, which is pretty much exactly halfway to Moab, a little over nine hours uh where we stayed in a hotel that night and then drove the rest of the way the next day
0: Mm -hmm. so two hours 18 hour trip about right
1: yep yeah i mean and it was it was every bit of probably 20 with having this big of a group and trailers and it you know the way that it worked out we never were uh, we never really synced up right for when people would run out of fuel so my motto was i would just fill up anytime we stopped that way i'd never be the one to make a stop but uh you know we were on all ends of the spectrum and actually alex and his girlfriend um now fiance uh drove out to moab uh in her diesel volkswagen jetta which got like you know 50 miles miles to the gallon (laughs) so they they were never running out but then nick with his silverado or or 2500 you know was just i think he was getting about six or seven with towing the gooseneck Mm -hmm. and then i was kind of in between there i probably got around 14 towing i think and then don you know with the x-jan 35s and 456 gears you know (laughs) Not, not great not great mileage there so but no the trip out actually was uh the least the least eventful leg the more eventful was our trip back uh with having some issues but uh the only real issue we had on the way out was my brakes overheated driving through the mountains because we came to learn that the car trailer that I was using, the trailer brakes were not working properly. They were, they were working, but they weren't doing much to slow down the truck. And I had never really towed a trailer through the mountains before, so I was definitely using my brakes too much so i learned kind of the hard way that you got to do more downshifting and luckily my f-250 is a manual so I, once i learned that i just put it in third gear and just coast down these hills so
0: what year is this thing Your f250?
1: uh it's a 2001 ford f-250 um it's got the kind of legendary ford 73 diesel engine and in that time when they were making that you know era of ford truck Uh, all the automatics seem to have problems. Like if you talk to guys, they'll be, you know, they'll say, oh, my 7.3, it's got 500,000 miles and I'm on transmission number three or four. So when I was looking for trucks, uh, I wanted something diesel. I wanted something that, you know, didn't have the more modern emission stuff on it that's hard to work on. I wanted something I could work on more easily myself. And I found this truck and I wanted a manual and I had to look pretty uh, far and wide. But uh, yeah, I found this one last summer down in Iowa. And it's got a six-speed manual with a granny low gear. So pretty nice for towing, actually. I really came to like it. I
0: extra credit for that. that I didn't, I didn't <laughs> see that one coming because I was going to say there's a button on those. I know because I had a 94 mm-hmm. board, and I think it's a consumer. I had a 94 I talked about, the 5.8 camper package, and it had the tow haul mode and heavy duty. had a one-ton transmission in it. Those years okay. actually had one-ton transmissions in it the 5 I i didn't know that until years later like like last week i was a couple weeks ago. i was looking up my old truck you know i'm always looking up stupid stuff oh and yeah. it had the one ton gearing one ton everything in it apparently but uh that was three vehicles ago but that's cool that you got a, the manual so uh mm-hmm. and i knew about the you know downshifting. i've been in the mountains before and, and everything and then uh, but i've never towed uh, mm-hmm. It's probably around 5,000 pounds altogether. With the TJ around 3,700 and the trailer, is that about right?
1: Yeah, I was thinking maybe closer to six because <laughs> I, I was guessing my TJ is probably close to 4,000 pounds now, especially with all the gear because I brought Jack, jack stands, Oh, you're all 4,000. Just, you know, a hard top, not a soft top. And then Nick's trailer that I was using, it's actually a 20 foot trailer. So it is definitely a little bit heavier. So I was thinking in the six to seven thousand pound range.
0: Yeah, when you're talking about like, hey, uh, yeah, we had all these guys towing. I'm like, well, who's a new tower? Because I'd be a new tower. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I haven't towed anything that big for all that long. I mean, I've towed a trailer out to Wyoming for deer hunting, but nothing like a jeep. You know, and so there's there's a few hoops you got to jump through to kind of yep. understand what to do. I knew about trailer brakes. when so I bought <clears laptop throat> that I have now. I made sure I had trailer brakes. So that I was looking at a one ton diesel. But I didn't need a diesel on a daily basis. I, mm-hmm. I don't need it. I don't need a haul. And this was an 06 with a 6 liter. So I knew the problems that that would have. Yep. I was going to yep. do the work because it was a dang good deal. I still kick myself for not getting it. But I would never have to really need that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So when I bought my pickup, I have the six and a half foot bed. And it has the trailer brakes built in. Oh, that's nice. And does yours have the trailer brakes built in or have trailers? No. Built in?
1: So I have, I bought a Kurt proportional brake controller. So, what the proportional means is uh, it some brake controllers, when you hit the brakes, it just hits the brakes on the trailer and it's just a one to one type thing. And the proportional, at least the way I understand it, is it modulates the brakes on the trailer based on how heavy you're braking in the truck. So it's supposed to work a lot better, and I've pulled plenty of heavy trailers with this truck actually, and they've all had good trailer brakes. But this one,
0: uh, but just, the problem was the trailer. Yeah, yeah, it was the trailer, not the
1: truck. So um,
0: because there's a gain setting, i beheld those gain settings in mm-hmm. there. My truck's a 2016, so it's not even the newest ones. The newest ones will newest GMCs will show you like a picture. What your trailer looks like, and all this stuff, There's yeah, things that the new vehicles have. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, they charge you for it, folks. They charge you, for oh, it. yeah. <laughs> but, um, looking at those new ones, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't probably ever do that, but I would love to have a vehicle like your buddy who is hauling two Jeeps because that's what I was trying to think about. Like, I want to be able to haul two Jeeps. My truck only can haul 9,000, 9,100 pounds, mm-hmm. yeah, which is great. I mean, it's almost as much as the one ton diesel I was looking at. It was, it could haul 13 or 14, 12,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. about the number you need to haul two. Uh yep. and now modern ones can haul you know 35, 37,000, whatever it is, It's a crazy yep. number, but you need a special license for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the other day, if you have two, if you can haul two Jeeps, that means you got two drivers and you could just yep. go. And I was really wanting to have that ability. I've been to Moab exactly zero times, so I mm-hmm. <laughs> quite pulled the trigger. COVID had a lot to do with all that, and just I mm-hmm. uh, had a plan for the last two years to go. Uh, but at the end of the day, you found a way to do it, and, and you just got to take a little more time off. So that was kind of my plan, too, was like I'll take the two days to get out there, the two days to get back, and yep. three days of wheeling. So I'm going to hear more about what you had. But uh, that's cool. You had a manual transmission to get out there and understanding the, the, the brakes over here. I mean, I've been out to Wyoming, and I always, always have the, the runs for the semis that kind of go off the runaway. Yeah, away. the
1: runaway truck ramps. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you never see a truck on it, but my dad—this you know, is what I, my dad, when he was around—this is about 25 years ago when we first went out to Wyoming. He's like, "Yeah, that's for trucks that overheat the brakes and they can run right up that run right into the sand, and then they're safe. They're not going to die and fly off the damn mountain." Yeah. And um, so I always knew that, and I'm always like, you know, and I—I I use my tow haul mode when I'm in, when I'm in uh, traffic because I don't want to—if you let off the brake of oh, the gas pedal and you're in traffic, it'll downshift a couple times for you. So You're going to have to ride huh. the brake. At all. So I do that in traffic, or if I'm on a, any hilly thing. That way, it just it's always in the right gear. It's just there, better for you, especially if you're bumping over traffic. It doesn't search for the gear all the time for these. The six-speed I think mm-hmm. searches a bit more than uh, the new ten-speeds do because the ten-speeds are a little bit more advanced. But uh, my six-speed will kind of search around. I knew that for my Yukon I had before this. It has the same five-three in mm-hmm. the six-speed, so I'm always partnering around that damn thing in traffic. Probably shouldn't be, but hasn't broken anything yet besides the air conditioner, which I'll get into later. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyhow, uh, the trip out there only the trailer brakes, and it sounds like you got the head it figured out for the white home. Anyhow, be honest, the you really wouldn't need it if you're under like ten thousand pounds. I heard you don't really need a trailer brake per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if you have a heavy enough truck, but if you're not using it, you know you're downshifting, you're gonna run your brakes hot. So yeah, we're gonna. Yeah. But so, uh, where'd you guys stay?
1: so we uh our group was slightly split nick and his wife and his two kids actually did get a hotel room um in moab but me and uh alex and don and terry uh all rented an airbnb uh just outside of moab and that is the way to do it i mean right here it you know i went out there with my hardtop And then I had a bikini top on the top that just covered the top because I didn't want to just get sunburned to heck. And it was nice to have a garage spot to put the hard top. And we all brought tools and ways to, you know, work on the Jeep, jack stands and everything because, you know, we kind of, we wanted to be prepared. We knew that, you know, we could break stuff. I brought a couple spare axle shafts. So we had a lot of stuff that we wanted to be able to tuck in the garage. But yeah, the the Airbnb we stayed at, I, I can't remember exactly what we paid per night, but it was well worth it. It was not, you know, crazy expensive or anything, and uh, kind of a townhouse style um, house. Great view of the mountains from, you know, you
0: walk out in the driveway and the mountains are just right out there in front of you. It was
1: really cool. So yeah.
0: that's why I hear about that. A lot of people do the Airbnb jam because mm-hmm. it's like twelve hundred bucks for the week, and you split it up a bunch of guys. You're, you're you're fifty bucks a night. I mean, it's really nothing. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know the exact math because I haven't done it yet, but I will. Um, that's the route we we'll are probably end up going. I'll probably when I do this, because I'll probably go with somebody who's been there, who's kind of do, done those. Things. Yeah, I don't have to make the same mistakes as somebody else. But anybody in your group have have they been there before? Is this all? Yeah.
1: So luckily, Nick actually had gone the year before. Um, he went. He and his wife went, um, and she actually rented a side by side, and then he had at the time he had an XJ, and so he had done the trip out there. So that was nice. He kind of had some idea of where things were um you know some good easy trails to start out on and uh he had towed through the mountains before so he was a little bit more familiar with that uh drive out there because the drive basically from Denver until the Utah border is interstate 70 and you're just going up and over these mountain passes uh and it's i mean you, you know you'll you'd be at you know a pretty steep grade and it you know to tell you you know 7% grade next 10 miles it's like all right so (laughs) it's no it's no joke i mean luckily we had pretty good weather it was probably 60 or 70 degrees driving through the mountain but i couldn't imagine you know snow or rain or if it was you know 80 or 90 degrees like i think they would have given several of our trucks a run for their money on uh, either overheating
0: or uh
1: you know Having other issues with uh, traction or something. So.
0: Well, I watch a lot of the fast lane truck, and these guys will always go to Ike Outlet. Do they? Yep. Ike. Oh yeah. And I watch that crap all the time because it's just fun to watch these guys test these trucks out. And almost all the trucks get like they have a they this eight mile run, and they get it done in eight minutes almost every time. These trucks nowadays mm-hmm. have all the power, and obviously they love to have anything with um, anything with uh what we call it into it, uh, turbocharged or supercharged, because that way they can you know handle the handle the elevation piece, and they just crush on that. I think mm-hmm. they did they <clears throat> didn't drive my five three with that, and they they didn't like it, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> but well, yeah, compared to the six two, it's yeah, it's yeah. a different world. But then you got to pay for the six two, put gas in a six two. it was was, it was ironic because the guy one of the guys Andre. He was talking about his favorite truck that he had recently. It was the Trail Boss Chevy with the five three. It was really like huh. interesting. Like one he would buy was that, but he ended up buying the Ford. Uh, mm. He was doing a long term test on it because of all the trucks I had lately. Like the Trail Boss with the five three, he was one, which is very similar to what I have uh, huh. with my uh, the all terrain package. Now they call it all AT four. Mm. But regardless, uh, going through those mountains is a different world, and. Uh, mm-hmm you know, and I know people who listen to us they, they no not understand what we're talking about. They, they've been to the mountains. They've been out there before, mm-hmm. but it's a little different than, you know, driving a cruise around the cities and hitting the malls up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. So now you're, you're in the B&B. we got got this part. Uh, so tell mm-hmm. us about Moab. What'd you, was your first time, your first time being there? What'd you think?
1: Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. You know, I, we, we all were saying while we're there, uh, you know i think we've all gone on vacations where you know it's a good time but you're excited to come home at the end and you know sleep in your own bed and get back to normal and this was just not one of those vacations you know the last day we were there we are like God, can stay here for a month like <laughs> we did uh we were there for 5 days and four out of the 5 days we did trails um for pretty much the whole day and you know it, it barely felt like we scratched the surface on trails and you know, if you add in national parks where you could go hiking and, you know, do some things other than off roading, I mean, you know, you could, I could spend a lot of time there personally with just exploring and seeing everything. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know if you want me to go through what we did each day or.
0: Uh, well, was it during EGS? Was it during G? No.
1: So we went, um, let me think back here. It was like the last week in May. We got back on the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. So the whole week leading up to it, uh, we were in Moab, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, And the first thing we did when we got there on Monday was we did what I think is probably the easiest trail in Moab called Fins and Things. Um, Pretty moderate trail. You know, you could have done it in a stock Wrangler. um, Probably even some less, you know, off-road capable vehicles. But with that it was a fun trail nonetheless and also it gave you an idea of how much traction you get there i mean you it's not like when you're up in gilbert and you know you're spinning your tires a little bit and you know sometimes you have to get on the skinny pedal i mean you just had traction on these rocks i mean especially they're down to i think i was there down to around 10 to 12 i can't remember somewhere around there and uh so that that trail the first day gave us a great idea of how things worked and we had a great time and uh it took us i think the trail was around nine miles and we didn't get started early on that monday because you know people were still to take hard tops off and disconnect sway bars and air down and everything so i think we probably got on the trail around 11 o'clock and we were probably off around four o'clock maybe um and so that was all we did the first day and it was a good time and. We were pretty ready to get get after it the next day. And so Tuesday, um, we did Hell's Revenge, which is a really cool trail. And anybody who's familiar with Moab or seen videos has definitely seen the V-notch on Hell's Revenge. That's really popular. Uh, I didn't attempt it myself uh, personally, but uh, Nick did and Alex did. And Alex had to be winched, but Nick was able to get up it with his big JK on 37s. Uh, definitely, he had some advantage with the longer wheelbase over the rest of us, uh, who had with shorter wheelbase jeeps. But uh, it was a really fun trail and had a really cool overlook of the Colorado River, which was
0: really cool. So the V notch is—is it just like a little loop? Like it just—it's just a little section you can take, and it's part of a longer trail. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So it's part of the trail, Hell's Revenge, but it's a—it's not even. Uh-huh. You, you it, It's not even something that you have to bypass. It's something that you have to go off and do.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. And it's fun to camp out there and watch other people do it because it's pretty crazy. But it's the way my TJ is built, and one other factor, which I'll get to. Uh, I did not attempt it because uh, while we were up on the overlook of Hell's Revenge, as we are descending, Don, who has the XJ uh went to hit his brakes and his brake pedal went to the floor and we were up on a pretty high ledge and luckily he kind of hit a spot where it leveled out and so he was able to get to a stop and put it in park but that was our first uh mechanical issue that we faced and so i actually got to test out my winch a bit more in a way i hadn't uh And I hooked up my winch to his XJ and lowered him down this really steep hill. (laughs) (laughs) Your brakes were hot then, huh? Well, so I actually parked with my wheels ledged up into a rock, so I was pretty anchored on this rock. And then he just kind of slowly, you know, click, click, click with the winch, let him let him down. Oh man! And luckily there was kind of a larger open area on this trail where he parked. And then we had to start thinking about what on earth are we going to do? Cause we came to learn that his brake line was contacting his tire when he was at full lock. So he had plenty of clearance, he had plenty of length on the brake line. So when he articulated, and that's what he had tested for when he articulated, he had plenty of brake line, uh, both hose and hard line, but over time, the tire, the tire had rubbed on the brake line and then it finally gave out. So it, uh, how did this go here? So we had to get a new flex hose and we had to get a new hard line from the proportioning valve at the master cylinder all the way to the wheel. And so the other guys all stayed there and it was a good time for lunch. And I actually volunteered to run into town to the O'Reilly's and I had to find brake break lines and things.
0: Little, yeah, little,
1: yeah, everything. So I leave Hell's Revenge and I run the trail backwards, which you're allowed to do. It's kind of a two-way trail, but it is a loop. And it was pretty fun because you never try and go fast on these trails and not hit obstacles, but I was just doing the complete opposite of avoiding every obstacle and trying to go as fast as possible. <laughs> so... I'm driving out in my little TJ and I'm bumping around and, you know, turning and going around obstacles and it was pretty funny uh, trying to get to this parts store, you know, as soon as possible because we knew we had a little bit of you know, time ahead of us and trying to get this fixed.
0: Now, is, so, like, is the parts stores open 24-7 out there because...
1: You <sighs> know, that's a good question. Luckily, it was midday, so... We weren't in too much trouble,
0: but uh,
1: I think it was... So I was
0: all at, we were out at uh, Troll Hog at one time, yeah. and mm-hmm. my buddy Wade, he, like, grenaded his uh, Pittman arm thing, I think. Something is. Uh... And we limped it to the store, and the guy goes, yeah, this weekend, we're open 24 hours a day, basically. We have so <laughs> much business, we just, we just stay open as long as we can. I forget how he said it. Don't know exact hours, but... Um, it was funny. I think I told the story, but by the time I aired up all eight of our tires, Wade already had the thing fixed and we're ready to drive home. i <laughs> like, I <aired laughs> heard everybody like he slapped this new piece on. I'm like, wow, well, sweet, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, he just. I didn't think to bring you know the tools even to do that. I'm like, well, glad you brought enough tools. I would be buying tools while was mm-hmm. the tool. Yeah, really. But, um, I've been at two Like that same weekend, I think I lost the group. And uh, I did what you did. I, I had a like, repeat part of the trail, and I skipped all the obstacles. obstacles I like, didn't have to wait for anybody. I just flew through the trail. And I caught up oh, in like, yeah. five minutes. I'm like, well, it's only two miles. I mean, I can fuck five mm-hmm. two miles. And yeah, I'm caught up to the guy, hey, how are you guys doing? <laughs> so, but I kind of like, took a wrong turn also of at the beginning of the trail. I'm like, what happened? Yeah, so, okay. uh, that's funny. So, you've been out there enough to know. So, so you got to O'Reilly's. So, Tell us, uh, then not all the parts you you and everything?
1: Well, sort of. So they didn't, Don wanted me to get a big, um, a kind of spool of brake line. So a uh, hard line, so that he'd be able to bend and, you know, in case you kink a line trying to bend it out there. Um, but unfortunately I didn't have that. So I bought a section of a uh, hard brake line that was, you know, long enough. We had measured for how much room was between. It was the passenger side driver tire. Um, passenger side front tire sorry (laughs) passenger side front tire and so we i figured out how long it need to be and they had one good brake line and then they had one that was uh slightly kinked and they gave me both of them and uh for the price of one so that was nice and then the there's a trick with xj's i didn't know this but if you buy the you know the flex hose that goes between the hard line and the caliper if you buy a flex hose for a k1500 chevy it's the same fittings but it's longer so you get more um you know if you have more droop on the axle yeah so i tried to get one of those but they didn't have those but they did have an xj brake line that was longer because he needed to have plenty of room for the big 35s so yeah i picked those up and i throw them in my jeep um and then i head back up uh, hell's revenge to where these guys are and we're getting these things done, and of course, it's you know just hot as can be, nowhere to find shade. And Don's got his two kids in the car, and they're starting to get oh, they're God. starting to go crazy and run around. And so, we're working and we get everything apart, and it's just one of those things where nothing could go right for us. Mm-hmm. And as he's unscrewing the hard line from the proportioning valve, he strips the inlet on the proportioning valve. And so now we think we're really screwed. And I'm calling every auto parts store in the area while he's oh, trying to, question. you Do
0: know, you have cell service?
1: Yep, yeah, we had cell service luckily uh, on this trail. Other trails, we'd come, so Hell's Revenge and Fins and things are in this kind of um, almost off road park area. You have to buy, it's the only one you have to pay for to enter the area. And those were pretty close to the city of Moab. Like, not not far like the, the my trip to the parts store only took probably 25 minutes to get there um and that was going through quite a bit of trail but uh later on the other trails we did absolutely no cell service mm-hmm. so yeah so that strips out and i'm calling parts stores you know they said the soonest would be you know two days and we'd have to pay a ton to get it here from i think it was grand junction colorado was the closest one so we're thinking this is bad and we're up on this we're still up in this trail pretty high up in elevation thinking you know what are we going to do and luckily don had a couple plugs uh for the proportioning valve that he just had as spares like in case of emergency and i think he kind of created his own threads with one of those plugs and just cranked it in there just enough to get brake pressure to three of the four tires and this was, I mean, you know, I'm compressing this, but this was several hours of work trying to get all this stuff to go together and bending the steel brake line out, you know, on the trail. Luckily, we had some tools, but and flaring and the flaring tool wasn't working properly. I mean, tons of issues. Well,
0: it's so such until moral of the story is that we always... You know, it was one broken bolt away from, or one stripped out nut away from mm-hmm. a 20 minute job taking four hours. I mean, exactly. That's kind of the mantra of the CrossFit Off-Road Podcast. I mean, <laughs> it didn't need to happen, but it did. And now we're all in this together. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Exactly. Like, one of those deals. Like we're, this is part of the adventure. And what I, I secretly, I like it. Uh, I have, I like the idea of having some fun, putting stuff back together, fixing it. And I think I talked about when we went out to and last time and, you know, my buddies have, a, they don't have the right size spare tire. One of them blew his spare, or blew a tire. And mm-hmm. I had my spare tire, which still had a little white strip on it. I was probably like, this thing has never been used. And and he had to use my spare tire to get home. I'm like, ah, well, it happens. But it was a fun time. And I'd never seen a rock go through the inside of a rim like that. It was hilarious. But, but yeah, we had a good time crazy. fixing the problem. You know, we fixed the problem. Mm-hmm uh that day which just simple as throwing another tire on her but yours your problem's a, you know, a couple steps deeper <laughs> yeah. but you got out yeah. of it yeah
1: we got out of it don said it was the scariest uh you know driving he's ever had because he says three or four brakes so it's causing your vehicle to pull one
0: way you know especially a front too yet yeah. especially a front
1: you know you could lose both rears and if you had both fronts you wouldn't be in too much trouble.
0: That's like but, 70% of your stopping power is in the front. Yeah. Part. Well, that's,
1: that's the big? whole idea of that proportioning valve is it's proportioning fluid to go more to the front than the rear. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he was, he was, it was not a fun time getting out, but he got out and luckily nobody got hurt. So, and the Jeep wasn't damaged in any way other than needing a new proportioning block. And luckily, you know, this is a testament to the Jeep community and everything, but Don had joined, before we went out there, uh, a Facebook page dedicated to wheeling in Moab, because he was just looking to learn more about the area and stuff, and he posts in it, hey, anybody have a proportioning block for a, you know, 2001 XJ, and a guy who uh, owns a off-road recovery service in Moab named Rory Irish, he's kind of famous in the off-road world, um, he has this really cool off-road record thing that he goes out and rescues vehicles with. But uh he comments back to Don and says, Yeah, I've got one in a I've got one in a parts XJ in my back in, you know, the yard. I'll pull it for you 20 bucks. So yeah. So unfortunately Don wasn't able to wheel with us um the third day, but you know it was it was all good. He uh borrowed one of the tow vehicles, drove into town, picked up the proportioning block got everything installed back together easy as that and uh yeah so luckily that one you know because remember don still has to drive this xj home oh, he's yeah. one of the guys who did not he is the guy who did not drive did not tow his jeep to Moab.
0: so that's that's a first rule of thumb uh, know how to work on your vehicle <laughs> to the degree yep. that you need to and maybe when throw it out there and my brother is he's always uh, you met my brother he's like one of us needs to get a trailer one of us needs a trailer. Some of the days we're gonna need it. And I like mm-hmm. driving my Jeep to the trail. Then, I know I have to drive it home. Then oh yeah. Much of a knucklehead, but sometimes things are just out of your control, and uh, especially in a you know twenty-one year old vehicle. Uh, but yeah, somebody has to get a trailer one of these years. We can get these things home.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good investment. It's on the list for me. You know, once uh, you know it'll, it, the budget allows for it, I'll definitely be picking something up. Uh, Cause I have the tow vehicle and I've got the Jeep. I just, there's one thing missing there.
0: So <laughs> yeah, it's almost easier to rent one store. So I was thinking, Sure. Well, mm-hmm. so I'm always looking for a rental here and there, but they're not too bad to get to. So, so now we did uh hell's revenge. And then uh, let's kind of fast forward a little bit. What are some other trips yep. that you would recommend that you'd went on for this trip? Yeah.
1: So, um, I'll touch on this one briefly. Um, the third day we were there, actually only Alex and I, um, a couple other guys, Terry, Don's fixing his Jeep, Nick was out with his family at a national park and Terry took the day off. We did Poison Spider, which is a great trail. Uh, very doable, I think, for what my Jeep's built for. I didn't have, I think I took the bypass one time on the whole trail. Uh, the only word of caution I would say for that one would be have some sort of map being service like Gaia or Onyx or something because it is very easy to find yourself off of the trail, which uh, is a big no-no. And it happened to us a couple of times just because we weren't it, it was not the best marked trail. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did the entire trail, really fun trail. We're coming back out. And <clears throat> a couple of times Alex and I both got and we're like, where are we? I mean, it, it felt like we were on the trail a minute ago. And so we'd have to backtrack, get back on the trail. And it was a little bit nerve wracking because there the cell service was not
0: very good. Like,
1: you could get a little bit, like maybe you could get a phone call out, but you weren't able to pull up any sort of Google Maps or anything. So, but that was a really fun trail. It took us most of the day to do just because we did the entire length of it. There's a big overlook you go out to. And so I definitely recommend that one for people. Uh, I would say that one's probably, if Fins and Things is the easiest, then Hell's Revenge. This is probably the next hardest one. And then the last trail we did on thursday because we took friday off of wheeling to just kind of explore the town of moab which there's not much to it but uh wanted to have kind of a day out off from being in the vehicles before we hop back in our vehicles and drove you know 19 hours back so but the last trail we did and it's the coolest trail in moab uh or at least from what i saw is top of the world which you know there's the famous you see the famous pictures i took one of my jeep out on that ledge And it's just a really cool trail. Uh, Everything leading up to it, which is funny, you do not feel like you are approaching a huge cliff face. Like, it's almost like a couple times it feels like you're going through the woods, actually. And you're kind of coming at it from the backside. But really fun trail. I would say it was around the same difficulty level as Poison Spider, so a bit more difficult than Fins and Things or Hell's Revenge. But seeing that overlook, I mean, it's like a 2,000-foot drop straight off the edge and a couple of us were joking like you know i'm not afraid of heights but i was at that point or at least i was afraid <laughs> of
0: falling <laughs> yeah and you're, you're gonna hear it in this podcast well i actually when i broke down the, um, the grand canyon when i was visited that mm-hmm. it's funny because they have a guardrail up and then right next to the guardrail was no more guardrail but there was still the thousand foot drop or whatever yeah else. so osha hasn't got out there yet is what i looked at they don't want to ruin yeah. the, the landscape i'm like this is not safe. I'm surprised people uh-huh. on a daily basis when I look at them. And I look at the top of the world, I'm going like, yeah, I want to get that done. I want to go there and do mm-hmm. that. But yep. I'm not going to be – I'm not going to put my feet over the edge right I'm not going to be stupid. And oh, now, yeah. Now that I got my parking brake worked. Oh, okay, now the parking brake works. And I feel better about uh-huh. places like that because you have to have a yep. parking brake for most of that type of stuff. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, that's, I'd be afraid to go out. And it's just, just – it's scary but i'll do it i gotta do it one time oh dude. yeah I you
1: have to now. do it. it it's amazing to see yeah. uh i was blown i mean you're bl- just the vastness of looking out i mean i don't know it's like i've never seen so much in one glance
0: of just <laughs> landscape and have you been to pike's peak yet no i have not so well, if you, i've been to Pike's Peak, and at the top it'll tell you you can see three states from there like you can literally see that's i don't so know cool. how many hundreds of miles it is but you, you can see three states you know that's the type of stuff you can see and that's at well i think it's at fourteen thousand feet it's not the highest point in colorado but it has the most views and has a road to the top and we took the the tram up and uh that was enough i wasn't i wanted to drive pikes peak because i watched the pikes peak races i want to drive up <laughs> it. my wife was now nah, let's just take the tram okay fine I'm glad i took the tram because i was i got to the top and you guys are going to listen to this. But I'm going to show Billy what I was doing. I was like this. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to fall off the mountain. I was feeling sick. I and I go, okay, let's get some pictures and get back on that tram yeah. <laughs> get, out. get out of here. <laughs> it felt like the world was moving. I was like, it was. It threw me off. And uh, I had a little altitude sickness. I was out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was excited to get back down that mountain. And I'd been at 9,000 feet before, 9,400, I think, when I go up. Mm-hmm. They, but fourteen was a different world, and <laughs> I was like, Whoa. "Oh, I believe it." But you could see states over. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's you're talking amazing. about Moab, and and then that's that's a cool thing. And actually, it was in my notes. I have it in your top of the world question mark? Mm-hmm. Like, Did you get there? Did you get the picture? Because I think I saw yep. it on your Facebook. Yeah.
1: Before. Yep. Yep. That's. I think that's my Facebook uh, picture, profile picture right now. Because it's. I mean, it's a cool picture. And...
0: Yeah, it's a little little brag there that you got out there and got back. <laughs> So so now we're all done wheeling and now the, the adventure begins
1: to get back.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yep. And uh one more note about Top of the World that was pretty cool was I mentioned earlier that Alex was out there with his girlfriend and at Top of the World he proposed to his
0: girlfriend. Oh
1: <laughs> yeah. So that was that was kind of the, the one of the main reasons we wanted to do it, but Alex kind of had it in his head. He's like, "I'm proposing up there," <laughs> so that was super cool. Because uh, of course we all knew he was going to do it, but she was totally surprised, and he went to kneel down to propose and. They're pretty close to the edge right there, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm asking you to marry me. Come on." <laughs> and she was, you know, totally surprised, and it was pretty awesome. We had somebody with a GoPro filming the whole thing, and so it really made the trail
0: even more memorable for just you know, the memories from that. And my, uh, my niece's husband, he proposed to my niece they're on a Jeep trail, and he had a GoPro going on the bumper of his dad's jeep they're out in uh-huh. Arizona and these people kept on stopping and talking to him he's like get out of here guys I don't get so much you know time on this GoPro I'm gonna fill it yeah, up really because he's a standard these people inside mm-hmm. you can see these people side by sides come and to yeah them, you know because his dad has this you know really built up jeep He's like, yeah, guys, get going, get going. Finally, I'm gonna And he spins around and gets on one knee. <laughs> my knees just, uh-huh. it. <laughs> you can see it was. Really yep. cool thing. So I don't know. That's what we were doing today. Mm-hmm. So kind of a fun thing, you know, because they're just going for a picnic out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool deal. But yeah, when you have that on film, it's a it's a neat deal. Yeah, and, yeah. It was just... i never really told this, but I took my wife back to my, my girlfriend then to back where we met and it was the middle of February, and it was a warm day in February, and I, got, I met her after class, and then, um, you know, I was, met her after class, she was, what are you doing here? Man? I thought we'd go for a walk, it's like 8pm, she had a night class in college, and then we start walking, she goes, so we need my jacket, I'm like, we ain't go, we're ain't we not going far, we're just going to the CA, and she got quiet, she knew then, I was <laughs> going awesome. to and I did the whole thing, and she's like, I, she goes, I knew something was up when you met me after class. <laughs> so you'd never meet me <laughs> after class. So I'm like, you yeah, when i sit in the library. <laughs> but yeah, it's always fun having a fun story like that. So yeah, got the couple engaged. Now we're on a trip back. You know, and you're, yeah, he's leaving the morning right away. What time did you leave?
1: Yeah, so uh, after we did uh, Hell's or not Hell's Revenge, uh, Top of the World, that was on Thursday. Friday, we kind of you know hung out in town, went out to eat, uh, picked up some souvenirs, and then next morning we hit the road. And luckily, uh, things were, you know, seemed to be going better. We we're, you know, I know what to do with the brakes and nobody's having any vehicle issues yet. And first day driving goes pretty well. Uh, we planned, uh, instead of North Platte, we ended up staying in Julesburg, Colorado, which is right near the border of Nebraska. And we probably, I mean, we were not 20 miles from our hotel when Don, we had uh, just regular walkie talkies and he comes on the walkie talkies He's like, Hey, I'm getting really bad driveline vibrations. I'm going to pull over quick. Yeah. And so I pull over and Alex and Mariah and her diesel jetta pull over and Terry missed that. And he just kept going. Uh-huh. And, uh, so we pull over and, you know, it's just kind of the stars aligned for it not being the best time. I mean, it's, probably sunset is 15 minutes away. So we barely have any daylight left. And so we're looking, trying to figure out what's going on. And Don's like, all right, I'm going to, uh, and Alex could see that, uh, Don's rear, um, passenger tire was wobbling. So he pulls off the wheel, get it jacked up and he has wheel spacers and all but one of his wheel studs had sheared off. So, His wheel, this is the XJ, yep. So he's driving his Jeep. The one guy who drove his Jeep, uh, he pulls his wheel off and he sees his wheel spacer and there is one lug nut in the wheel spacer that is holding that wheel on. And yeah, and we're like, oh my gosh. And you know, this is a testament to hub-centric wheel spacers because if that was not a hub-centric wheel spacer, there's no way that one stud was going to be holding on that wheel to the vehicle. So he had the proper hub centric wheel spacers. So it, they ride on the hub, not just held on by the lug nuts.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah, uh so we're looking at it. And for a second, we kind of all just stared at it like, oh my gosh, like this could have been so much worse. But then we're like, okay, it's a, the sun is about to set. We only have 20 miles to go. Like, let's figure something out. So luckily my TJ, I didn't break anything on it while we were in Moab. So we pulled my TJ off the trailer. Uh, threw Don's XJ on the trailer uh, and then Don had not driven a manual in a while and I was thinking, you know what? Alex's LJ is the manual. Alex, why don't you hop into my TJ and his girlfriend can drive their Jetta. And we drove it the rest of the way to our hotel that night uh, with his XJ on the trailer and uh, yeah, we stayed the night in Julesburg, Colorado and then had to wake up the next day and it was a Sunday and in the small towns of Uh, Colorado and Nebraska, nobody's auto parts stores are open. I mean, so we had to drive another 40 minutes before we could find one that was open. And then for the next couple hours, we were in the Walmart parking lot replacing wheel studs. Because, of course, uh, when we buy wheel studs, the first ones are the wrong size. So put in one of them. Uh, Of course, you can't return it because it's been put in. But we go back, return the rest of them and then get the proper size ones. And then we rented a ball joint press because using a ball joint press uh, to press in the wheel studs makes it super easy for them to go in. So rented the ball joint press at an O'Reilly's, got these put in and then got the Jeep put back together. But at this point it was probably, you know, 12 or one o'clock. And we still had about nine, eight, nine hours to do probably eight hours. So it was a pretty late night getting home that Sunday night. I mean, I think I pulled it into my driveway at around two in the morning after all was said and done with stopping for food and fuel. And, you know, we checked Don's lugs, lug nuts, uh, after the first a hundred miles and then we checked them again after another 200 miles just to make sure that everything was good and can't really figure out why they broke. We think maybe if anything, they could have been over torqued. Um, cause he had used red Loctite and Don's a very, mechanically inclined i mean this extra he bought not running and put a new engine into so he's he probably is the, one of the more knowledgeable guys in the group about doing stuff so it wasn't
0: yeah, torque, i don't think it was they have those torque specs for a reason that bolt always mm-hmm. so much and if it was put in by somebody else and over torque that bolt is just trash and uh that's one of the reasons i bought a torque wrench i'm like i might as well mm-hmm. might as well buy a torque wrench and use it and i didn't know this my buddy wade told me this, he goes he yeah, when I got your torque wrench, you borrowed it from me one time. He goes, it was set like you know, 100 pounds. He goes, you got to dial those things back down when you're not using them. I'm like, I didn't know that. So huh. dialed it back down. I don't think down. I knew that either. <laughs> so I don't know why you need to dial it back down. I'm guessing to save and keep the accuracy or whatever. So like, it doesn't take more than five seconds to dial it back down. Yeah, sure. Zero, or whatever, from whatever we used it on. Uh, mm-hmm. We just worked on his van this week, and that was a wrestling match, trying to get the, those, those off. We changed those brakes. And um, he had to go buy, get a breaker bar. He broke the little one. He had to buy a bigger one and uh, <laughs> get the, those things off, those <clears throat> bolts out. Oh, my God, that was a wrestling match, but when he helped him out with that. And, you know, that's a story for another time. So did you have any other problems? You know, other than that, uh,
1: Don, had, Don had the unlucky bug on this trip because he had a problem with his Jeep overheating. Uh, which we never entirely figured out why it was doing that. Um, we think it might have had to do with it being just so hot, and he had his AC blasting in the Jeep. Okay. And we were moving uh, very
0: slow, or not moving at all when he was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> you just need a little bit of air to, through there. But if you're just sitting one, yeah. Spot, mm-hmm. in my Jeep overheated one time too, and I just was sitting. I was talking to somebody about something, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it was just bubbling. <clears throat> you're just sitting in one spot, it's going to do that. Yeah. You know? Yep
1: yeah no that's happened to me too so that one wasn't too bad but the other issue he had was his accelerator stuck open at one point which is a very scary problem to have uh kind of the opposite of losing your brakes but similar problem with going when you don't want to be going uh and we figured that was because he had a he has a cowl induction uh intake on his xj and the way it was plumbed there was a little gap where air was getting in after the filter so unfiltered air was getting in and so he what we ended up doing was just pulled his throttle body off and he sprayed the kind of butterfly valve in this throttle body and uh it cleaned everything out and then the pedal uh spring back was back in place and that was fine so that happened and then other than that uh you know no major vehicle issues luckily nobody had issues with their tow vehicles you know towing through the mountains and all that. I would say probably the lightest vehicle towing was uh, Terry towing with his Expedition. But that thing, um, you know, pretty similar setup to probably what's in your pickup. Uh, this is the 5.4 liter Ford motor, but um, he didn't have really any problems towing his TJ uh, with that. And yeah, really, other than that, we uh, we were, we got lucky. I brought, uh, I picked up some spare Dana 30 axle shafts on Facebook marketplace. I think I got three, three of them, two short sides and one long side. I think I paid like 20 bucks for them. So I, I had brought those, they were, you know, they were old and I'm sure the U joints were starting to go on them, but they um still solid so i brought those in case we snapped an axle shaft because i've heard that was a common issue with how well, much traction shaft. you get
0: yeah axle shaft or u-joint you don't want to sit around and screw up yep. joint you just slide mm-hmm. it up, slap a new one in and you're good to go yep. and yeah and i brought just, some uh,
1: u-joints too <laughs> so
0: and i was always thinking i would get an rcv or a heavy duty axle shaft <coughs> sure. and he said mm-hmm. well, do that they're gonna break something inside the axle you'd rather break it at the end point i'm like that's a good idea if you break a u-joint yeah. versus breaking something inside the pumpkin you know i'd rather yeah. get on the outside that's an easy fix so i was like yeah. oh, and i was like well that kind of changes my mindset real fast on what i want to do yeah but i'd rather have a spare axle or two sitting around mm-hmm. so i i think that's, that's the road point. the road i might go down especially like you how would your front locker work for you oh it's
1: great i'm a big fan of it i didn't uh going into it i was thinking maybe i'd put it in and then I'd take it out afterwards because I didn't know what having a lunchbox locker would be like. But I mean, I barely hear it. I hear it ratchet because it's the style where it's um, two pieces and they can, in order for one wheel to spin more than the other, like a differential allows for, it'll click and it makes this clicking noise. But you only hear it when you're turning really tightly um
0: so it's, that doesn't it, it bother it's me. in four-wheel drive too right It's just not when you're yeah
1: drive. you'll hear it in two-wheel drive too sometimes but it's only if like you know i whip a really tight turn or a U turn or something but the extra traction you get is really really nice i mean <laughs> i uh, i definitely want to go the selectable route eventually but uh the way it kind of worked was i was thinking you know i'd like to have a locker on one of the axles for when we're in moab and was a friend of Don's uh through the face you know Facebook um I think it was through Twin Cities Jeep Club or Minnesota Trail Lizards but uh he had a Spartan locker that had never been used for a Dana 30 and he was selling it for like 170 bucks and I'm like you know what why not and uh I hadn't I'd never messed with the carrier or taken that apart before uh so I was a little bit nervous but Luckily, uh, since you're just replacing where the spider gears are in the carrier, you're not actually replacing your ring gear or the carrier or anything. You don't have to mess around with backlash or preload or any, of you know, marking a pattern on the gears. So it's just a matter of taking those spider gears off, pulling the cross pin to get those out, and then putting in this piece that replaces the spider gears uh, into the carrier and uh, bolting the ring gear back on, popping it back into the uh, axle. And, I mean, it was... I mean, it took me maybe an hour total to get it all
0: put in, so
1: it was pretty mm-hmm. nice.
0: Well, awesome! Yeah. So, so it sounds like you would recommend a Moab trip, which I figured you would. <laughs> oh, oh yeah,
1: <laughs> we were already talking this group about. So, are we going back next year, or are we going somewhere else next year? Kind of. We definitely got the bug for you know hauling the jeep somewhere and you know seeing some different stuff. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, after going out and you know the stuff that we do in Minnesota, I love doing it, and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to do some bigger trips, and so this this next couple of years, when when things are back to normal, seem it would seem, uh, I definitely want to do more things. Well, you've inspired me on a couple of different fronts, and you kind of answer a lot of my questions, like what trails to hit and where to go and how to do it. And I've had mm-hmm. other people on. I've been to Moab, but I just wanted to hear from somebody who had a TJ like mine. You know, yep. very similar. You got thirty threes, and that's what I'm rocking. Yeah, that's our. Our little our little guy Jeep Club that we have our four or five guys, six mm-hmm. guys, whatever we have, we're like, okay, we want TJ's, thirty-threes. And you yep. want it, you know. So it's kinda like that's kind of thing. We kinda said that's the limit. Because if you go bigger than that, you gotta change a lot of stuff. And uh so it's it's kinda what we kinda stick, stick with, but you can get a lot of stuff done with that type of build. So Oh yeah. Um, well, Bill, that's awesome. I'm, it's fun hearing the stories about the different issues you've had and the over mm-hmm. that you did and uh Kind of answers a lot of questions. Having a spare axle or two would be helpful too, and those checking those mm-hmm. brakes. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh yeah, do and a trailer. Have you did exactly what I thought you would do. some guy has trouble with his, well, swap off the vehicles. That whatever yeah. trailer, that's what you got to do. Get exactly, her and having a group to go with it. Well, that's awesome, Billy. Well, well, thanks for being on. And uh, kind of sharing your story. It's it's, it's fun to hear kind of that other people have problems too. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. As long as you have a couple couple of MacGyvers with you, you get a lot of stuff mm -hmm. done.
1: (laughs) Yeah. When everybody's got a Jeep that's, you know, at least 10 years old, if not older, there's going to be, you
0: know, well that there's gonna be little issues and they're they're built to do this stuff, but they're not built to come back every time. uh uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, they're, exactly. They're gonna have problems. I think a brand new Jeep out there would still have a problem every now and again. So mm-hmm. oh, they, yeah. just it, they just call it new car blues when it breaks down when it's new, but when it's old, yeah. wow, it's old. It's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so All right, Billy. Well thanks Alrighty. for being on and uh yeah. will talk to you soon. Yeah. Talk Bye. to you later. Thanks for listening to the Crossroad Off-Road Podcast brought to you by Prime Shape Fitness. Your one-stop shop for your fitness needs.